This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Today's episode of the Chase to Must podcast is brought to you by our presenting sponsor, Panko Chicken. The new Atlanta restaurant thrives off of a unique spin on Japanese and Western cuisine and is already racking up the awards, winning Best Selling Taste in the Taste of Atlanta Awards both in 2017 and 2018. So if you're in the metro Atlanta area and are wanting to try something new and good and delicious, go to Panko Chicken today and tell them that I sent you over. You'll be glad you did, I promise. Panko Chicken, where eats meets West. Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right, welcome to another episode of the Chase Thomas podcast. I am now joined by Tom Westerholm, a longtime friend of the pod. I believe this is his ninety third appearance um, <laughs> since the podcast started. Um, Tom, we've known each other for way too long now. Yeah. Yeah, uh, that's that's probably true. Uh, how many how many episodes have you had on this podcast? Uh, this will be three oh nine, I think. Okay, so I'm on almost half of them. That's good to know. Yes, yes, <laughs> it's it's pretty pretty cool. I think you are in the first ten, something like that, and I think you were on the old cut of the chase stuff back. Even yeah, years ago. yeah, I was, I was, because so, I remember that name. Yep. See, yeah. time flies. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, um, how how is the off season going? How how excited are you to not be keeping up with? Well, I guess you kind of have to um, be keeping up with some free agency stuff. But I hope you're getting a break. Are you enjoying your semi quasi break from the Boston Boston Celtics and just the NBA in general? Is this a break? This doesn't feel like a break. Like there's a uh, there's pretty much new stuff every day with these guys. Um, between obviously there was just the draft, and you know I'm a pretty big draft guy so i was all in on that and then now we're hitting free agency and little rumors are popping up here and there and uh pretty much all of them well not all of them but uh, a lot of really interesting ones with the celtics so i'm not really uh yeah i wouldn't call this a break yet my break starts after after summer league by that point everything is sort of resolved you know then it's the dead time for a couple of months so my break starts in like the middle of july okay well we're almost there so we're getting there we're definitely getting there um, the first thing I have to ask, and we have to start Celtics here with all the different stuff, and you being the plugged-in Mister Westerholm, I gotta, <laughs> I gotta pick your brain on some of this stuff. Um, Let's do it. What is the percentage that you would put on Kyrie Irving being a Celtic next season? Zero, like zero point zero percent. Okay. Yeah, no, he's not. Are coming you surprised back. we're here based on like what you're around this team all year long? Like, when did it go from like seventy-five percent to like twenty percent to zero? Was it a gradual? decline or did it go from like oh he's i still think he's gonna come back to oh god it's there's no chance you know it's funny i had i was out like i was in indianapolis after game four with some other just celtics writers and we were talking about this and i think 
we all, for the most part, most of us gravitated toward, I think he's still coming back or at very least it, he's like, I think it's a 50, 50 split with him. And that was five games before the end of the Celtic season. And then mm. literally five games later, everybody's like, no, there's no way this guy's coming back. Uh, which is, which is kind of crazy, but I mean, it, it really goes to show you how useless sort of projecting free agency stuff during the season actually is. Cause I mean, it really felt like there was a, at least a good chance that he came back to Boston um, at the end of one playoff series. And at the end of the next one, it was, you know, pretty clear that he wasn't. So yeah, I mean, I would say it was over the stretch of those, you know, those four games in against Milwaukee where he really struggled and, you know, the Celtics just kind of blew an opportunity. It felt like, um, you know, to, to, to maybe move on, maybe make some noise, maybe kind of capitalize on all the things that they said they were going to do all season. So yeah, I would say it was right within that window that things really started to deteriorate with him. Hmm. It's amazing how quickly that happened. And then obviously just, um, that means no AD that means like just some different dominoes fall after that. And I, uh, I don't know. I wonder, like, just it's amazing how much postseason success matters, and that's probably why you were where you were at with the the Boston Celtic beat Redder meeting, where you're all like, oh, yeah. I think we're still going to be better once the playoffs come. He's going to turn it on, blah blah blah." And then the Buck series happens, and then it's like, "Oh no, this this is over. This is not the kind of playoff situation they needed to have to keep Kyrie." And then you have like the weird stuff where he's calling into like Boston sports radio and pretending to be other people, and then the weird. I still can't a hundred percent tell if that's him or not. Like. Okay. It's it's funny because like it sounds it, like him. It, the cadence is perfect. Right. Like it, it really is. And like but I just I just don't think he cares. Like that's the thing. Like I don't think he I truly don't think he cares about any of us at all in any way enough to do something like that. Like I just I just don't think he, he cares. And so like it really does sound like him, but man, I don't know. Like if, if that would be such a departure for him to like actually you know, take the time to say anything to the media. Um, I don't know. I, I, I can't tell. Maybe that's maybe that's his version of Katie's burner account. I really can't mm. tell. If you pulled all the members of the Boston Celtics roster from this past season, would more than half or less than half say they enjoyed playing with Kyrie Irving this season? I think more than half would say they enjoyed it okay or and i think it's it's a weird split because i think that more than half would say they enjoyed it and i think but i think that more than half would also say they didn't enjoy the season mm. and i think that but they're not Ky- putting that at Kyrie. i think most of them are not putting that at Kyrie. yeah i think that yeah i think that for in, in a lot of cases with these guys i mean a bunch of guys have said it since the end of the season like it, it was a bunch of good guys on the team, like just very generally decent human beings who, you know, just couldn't make it work. Like something mm-hmm. about the combination of, you know, uh, of those, that group of players just didn't really work. And, you know, that they, they don't put that on Kyrie. Like it just, I mean, yesterday uh, we were talking, Marcus Smart had a camp in Boston and he, he was talking about how, um, you know, he'll support Kyrie and Al Horford wherever they go and, and how, you know, it's nothing but love for him. So, yeah, I mean, I think that's pretty representative. So I, I just, you know, I think for the most part, the players see it as sort of a group failing as opposed to just a star failing. And I think that's probably one of the bigger disconnects between sort of the general consensus and, and uh, you know, the, the guys who are on the team. I, can I give you my most 
um, under-talked about talking point from the, the Kyrie Boston Celtics just um, circumstance that I think we've, for some reason, that people have kind of overlooked Yeah, is the Jackie Mack and Hayward stuff and Brad Stevens, where it's like, I find it interesting that Hayward has kind of gone under the radar with a lot of these scathing criticisms towards the season and just what how fans were just so annoyed with Kyrie and like you have Bill Simmons saying I'm going to pack his bags and all this other stuff and Hayward meanwhile had like he was inserted into the lineup he was force fed through Brad Stevens like there I, I feel like there was a lot more meat on the Gordon Hayward actually being more of a problem not like off the court and all other stuff but like just on the floor and winning basketball games and contributing to a lackluster season and a very annoying season I thought it's just strange to me that he like you have those pieces from Jackie Mack and other people were like I I don't know if I had to bet on who players uh, were more annoyed with playing with this season it would be Hayward over Kyrie like and I, I think I don't know. I just find it interesting that Hayward hasn't had a lot of stuff thrown at him. I wonder if it's just because it's the injury and yeah. he, like that's they're giving him a pass and it's not really his fault that he's being force-fed by Stevens. But I don't think it's I don't think it's been fair how much stuff has been thrown at Kyrie and that same level of stuff isn't getting thrown at the Stevens Hayward pairing and what that did to the team chemistry more so maybe than what Kyrie did on the floor. Um, Is that fair? So, so I don't think it's necessarily unfair. I do think that, you know, Jackie, um, w- w- with her comments, she did note that it wasn't like guys were mad at Hayward. You know, right. they were sort of frustrated with the situation. Because, mm-hmm. um, I mean, you know, everybody everybody understood. I mean, Hayward worked really hard to try to come back mm-hmm. this season. And, you know, it just, for the longest time, it didn't take. And, you know, Brad... Brad did stop starting him, I think, like 15 games into the season. Um, mm-hmm. Gordon, was, at, at the very least, he was out of the starting lineup by the time, uh, I want to say, the, the, the date that every Celtics writer sort of like bookmarked was November 26th against the, mm-hmm. the Pelicans. Then um, that was when Marcus Smart and Marcus Morris began starting. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was, and so Hayward was definitely out of the starting lineup by that point. So it's not like, it's not like Brad like force fed him minutes until like mid January or something mm-hmm. like that. Like it was, it was pretty early when they, when they finally decided to bench him. Um, but it set a bad tempo, right? For the season of just like starting it and being like, Oh God, this, this is not going to work. And then you have to kind of change on the fly and you have to insert Marcus Morris and like, and it's not even just like the players being annoyed, but like that was a bad sign for how this, this group was going to play them like it's fine it, I, I don't know i feel like that was like a bad omen well sort of but then they but i mean as soon as as soon as they started that starting lineup they rattled off like 10 straight wins and it, right. it, that was the that was the thing with this team was that there was like there was no consistent okay they're good when they do this okay they're bad when they do this it was like some days they're bad when they do this some days they're good when they do this so you have to sort of like play the percentages as well as you can but you can't really play them very well like it's it's it was a really complicated thing um and i just think you know, I, I, I think it, it it really breaks down. You can't really put it at anybody's feet. And I think that's kind of, you know, the, the cliche answer that all the players give, too. But I think it, it if you just kind of go down the line, it's like, OK, who's blameless? I think Horford is probably pretty blameless. I think Smart mm-hmm. is probably pretty blameless. I think Baines, you know, he's he's Baines. Like, it's not like he was a, a huge contributor. I think he's more or less blameless. And then you start getting into it and it's like, OK, so 
you know, Jalen and Kyrie sort of butted heads. And Tatum never really figured out exactly so how... Jalen and Kyrie butting heads. Well, I mean, at the very least, they butted heads when Kyrie said the young guy's comments in January. And then Jalen, you know, like a couple of days later said, we can't be pointing fingers. You know, we can't be pointing fingers. And like that was, you know, that was pretty obvious that those two were kind of going at each other a little bit. Um, you know, and apart from that, I don't know for sure. Like just from seeing them in the locker room, they looked like they got along pretty well. Um, but I mean, that means literally nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, those two, you know, kind of butted heads a little bit. Tatum. Never really, you know, never really sort of got himself comfortable to a point where he was another another attacker, which they desperately needed. Hayward never really got himself into going. I mean, it, you just you can really go down the list of guys. I mean, Marcus Morris like shoved Jalen one time, like when they were going through one of their like losing streaks. Um, that that was a whole thing. Um, yeah, I mean, like just up and down the roster. But and the thing was that it was a bunch again, you know, even with all of that stuff, it really was like a bunch of like pretty good guys trying to figure it out together and just failing, getting frustrated with themselves, getting frustrated with each other. There's not like a, you know, there's there's not a good answer for it. And I think it's going to be sort of like a I think it's going to be something honestly that as we, you know, go further and further away from it, people are going to say like I have the answer for what happened to the 2018-19 Boston Celtics. And I don't think there is one. I think that there are you know, 25 very legitimate reasons why this team didn't work. And, you know, some of them are Kyrie for sure. Some of them are Hayward for sure. Some of them, you know, aren't. And, you know, that's that's a complicated and long-winded answer. But I think with with a team like this, with this much talent that, you know, completely failed to maximize it, there's going to, it's only going to be complicated answers. So well, I have another complicated question for you. Let's do it. Um, so Kyrie's gone. We know zero percent. You can you can aggregate that. Tom Westerham has confirmed there's zero chance that Kyrie Irving is back. On let me go. Let me go zero. Let me go zero point one percent chance just to cover my bases so that it, uh, yeah. Well, I'll the, be cutting that part of the podcast <laughs> out. So we're sticking zero percent. Um, if you're Danny Ainge, who are you most comfortable paying to be your league guard next to Marcus Smart next year? Brogdon, D'Lo, or Kemba? I would. So I mean, just you know, I would go off Kemba. Um, that would be my starting point. I I would, I would aim for that guy. I would offer him the max. You know, I think, obviously I think you're going to have to offer him the max based on how much Charlotte is able to pay him. You know, we'll see how much they actually, they actually pony up for. But I mean, I would, I would, you know, (laughs) June 30, because nobody's tampering. I would, uh, at six, six Oh one PM, I would be on the phone with Kemba's agent. If I was Danny, just saying, look, we'll give you the max. Um, you know, we'll go after, a. We'll go after a, a big somehow. We'll figure out that situation. You know, we'll get somebody in there who can play pick and roll with you. But, you know, look at the bones of a good team that we have here. You know, I, I think that as much as we just talked about how it wasn't only Kyrie's fault last year, I think having a different, more steady hand at the helm would definitely help. Um, so I think and, and I think that there is something to be said for having a scoring point guard who can you know, sort of initiate the offense and look to score first and then look to pass in Brad Stevens' system. He's really, really good at maximizing those type of guys. And I think when you start looking at the dribble handoffs, the Celtics run, that kind of thing, the stuff that really freed up Isaiah Thomas and turned him into a star, um, or, you know, the stuff that helped him turn himself into a star is probably the fair way to say that. Brogdon, by the way. Well, no, I mean, I think, listen, if Kemba is gets the full max or if he decides that he wants to play in Dallas, I think then you throw a great offer sheet at Malcolm Brogdon. Yeah, because like I think either of those guys is a great option for Boston. Um, but and Boston, you know, it would be twofold, where it's like it's great for Boston and also hurts Milwaukee. 
So that's the other thing too. And I think that there's probably something to the idea of trying to mess with Giannis's team. You know, we'll mm-hmm. I, I don't know for sure that the Celtics are going to pursue him like that. You know, it's just kind of reading the tea leaves. They always kind of go after the big guy. They always sort of put a plan in place. Okay. Durant's going to be a free agent in 2016. We'll build a team to go after him. Davis is going to be a free agent in 2020. We'll build a plan to go after him. Kind of feels like that they would at the very least, you know, try to put some pieces in place to do that with Giannis. And yeah, I mean, going after Brogdon, that's, that's messing with it with his team and and the bucks are going to have you know i like i don't know for sure that they're going to mac that they're going to match on brogdon because that's a that's just going to be a ton of money when you start looking at how much they're going to have to pay lopez and and uh chris middleton so yeah i mean i think as a backup plan throwing big money at brogdon and hoping for the best is good and then if the bucks do match then you know you can still match on terry rosier like that's they, i okay. think that well, but that's i think follow up question what, well what i think that's there? the order yeah. i think i think they offer kemba Kemba goes somewhere else. I think they offer Brogdon, you know, and this is, and this is just, you know, this is just reading tea leaves. This isn't like, you know, sourced within the organization or anything like that. They're not really talking right now. Um, you know, they're, they're, they're trying to keep everything under wraps, even though it was pretty obvious they were angling for a max guy as soon as they traded Baines. But um, yeah, I think, uh, I think that would be my order of operations is, is see if you can get Kemba, see if you can get Brogdon. And then, you know, worst case scenario, you can always bring back Terry who had a bad season, but had a really good year the year before. So I would go Brogdon. I think he would, I, I would, I honestly think a lot of these teams, in the Knicks are about to suffer from this too, where it's like, um, it's hard enough getting a guy like Kyrie and then expecting to get someone like Kemba the following year after losing Kyrie. It's really, really difficult to pull off. Um, what's not difficult to pull off is like to kind of pinpoint Brogdon and be like, Hey, Mr. President, you're going to be, uh, the lead guard under a college coach college coaching legend you played at virginia you played under <laughs> like you are going to be the center of everything you're going to have that kind of super duper utility role you're going to run a bunch of different awesome sets and you get to facilitate with a bunch of other young guys that you can grow with and tatum brown and smart and just see what happens and also grant williams and maybe uh um romeo uh, langford all kinds of romeo langford is by the way I've never been more certain of another James Young in my life, but I never thought we'd be here. But oh, that's a terrible take. Terrible that's a ter- take, right? terrible take. No, he's he's. <laughs> I actually, I, I'm pretty. Who plays in an NBA game first, uh, Romeo Langford or uh, Markel Fultz? Oh my god, dude, Romeo Langford's gonna be really good. <laughs> okay. uh, by the way, uh, yeah, Markel Fultz not playing basketball. The take that I've had for a year and a half now, basically. Uh, I I I mean, he's probably gonna get in a game next year. No, they're he's already saying, gonna like, get... they're already talking about it. like we don't know when he's coming back. That dude's never playing basketball again. At uh, least, in, in well, then the idea that Romeo isn't gonna play before him is ridiculous. But yes, yeah. I'm just I'm just wrong. <laughs> I have nothing. I I don't know. Just like in the moment, and I know nothing about IU basketball or anything like that. It was just the stuff that I was reading. I was like, oh, this kind of sounds like James Young all over again. Um, let's get it. But, let's get into him in a minute. I I, I have. I, I don't want to Ro- get into Romeo. I have Romeo. I don't know takes. anything about him. I have no perspective because I didn't watch a second of Romeo Langford's college game. I have no no opinion. The only thing I've read on any of the Celtics guys is on. Uh, um, Williams, the Tennessee big, who has been compared to Al Horford already, but there was a really good piece on Celtics blog um, highlighting his rim running, his like how active he is on like every possession that he can pass, he can offensive rebound and all that kind of stuff, and that he actually has a legitimate shot to be a serious contributor right away. For yeah, Austin. Um, so that's that's the extent. I think it was Max Carlin. Yeah, Not yeah. Uh, younger Tom, who's making an appearance in the <laughs> podcast for the first time. 
Uh, yep. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Rafa, no, I, for a second, I thought you meant Max, and I was like, I mean, that's you know, kind of insulting to Max, but sure. Yeah. No. <laughs> he's a good writer, but yeah. Oh yeah. Done, no, he, done, he's done he's done good draft stuff all year. Yeah. No, I mean, Grant's gonna be real interesting. He's he's drawn Horford comparisons. He's compared himself to Horford. He's drawn. Has he uh, really? That's not sort of. He you know, stay away from that. <laughs> he's not saying that he's going to be Horford, but he said basically like. I've watched Horford, you know, to try to like see how I could, you know, fit into the Celtic system. So, um, and he's drawn Draymond comparisons because every slightly undersized four who can do a lot of things draws Draymond comparisons. So, correct. Um, so, did the uh, you guess, is Terry Rozier a Celtic next year? Um, I think it really. I mean, it really comes down to: Do you think they're going to get Kemba? Um, I think they're going to get some league guard. I don't think they're going to use the money on a big. I think they're going to use the money on. Uh, a guard that is my impression as well i mean i think that you know these guys sort of understand um you know that you can get a you can get a big man um you know for the room exception who can give you starter minutes and, and you know you can kind of fake it from there um so yeah no i i'm, I'm with you i think Obviously, if they get one of those two guys, if they get Kemba or Brogdon, then Rozier's gone because they're going to have to re- renounce him anyway on, on his cap hold. Um, so, I mean, I think it's really pretty 50-50. I think, I, I think it's, you know, obviously, if they don't get one of those guys, then Rozier's back. He's definitely coming back in that situation. Whether it's like a four-year deal or whether it's like they overpay him for two years and then they have his money for, sal- for salary matching if they want to make a trade. That would be the angle I would go for if I was them. I, you know, if if they if it came down to it, I would offer him like, I mean, I, I would I would really overpay him. I would say like, okay, we'll give you like two years, forty, you know, something really really good money, so that if you do want to trade for a star, I mean, if Bradley Beal for some reason did become available, then you can say to you know, here's Terry for the matching purposes, and here's a, a ton of picks or whatever. Um, so yeah, I'll go fifty fifty. I say I so I guess. If I was making like just a completely uneducated guess, I would say I'll go with no. I think Terry probably won't be because I agree with you that they're probably going to get one of these one of these lead guards. Last thing in the Celtics, and we'll move on. Um, I don't think it's a negative that. What are we not going to talk about Romeo? Uh, no, we're not. I was I was led astray. All right, you get thirty seconds on Romeo. Yes. All right. <laughs> <laughs> go 30 seconds on oh right now all oh, right all right well yes, i think yes. well here's here's the most important thing is that it's a self promo because i've got a good romeo langford story coming up on oh, masslive.com and, and yeah yeah right uh in uh either tomorrow or the day after so uh make sure you check out masslive.com slash celtics romeo is very very smooth uh he shot 27 percent from three because he had a torn ligament in his shooting hand thumb um, and in high school, he shot around 37% from three. Um, and yeah, very smooth, gets to the line a lot. That's my spiel. He's pretty good. He's going to be a shooting guard. There you go. Um, I don't think any of that's happening with my brilliant insight of watching 0% of Romeo Langford in my lifetime. Um, the last thing in the Celtics, I, I just, I think it's going to end up being a blessing in disguise because my biggest issue when we were talking just a year ago and the reason I like the Raptors a lot more than the Celtics going into this year I knew you were going to bring that up well I, I was right, so <laughs> just want to clarify here uh, my adamant Raptors are better than the Celtics and the Celtics are not winning the East and they're not winning the Eastern Conference Finals take uh, it, it it ended up being right so, it did it did yeah, I felt good about that so give me something Tom for this I, I might I I like I'm into timelines and I, I think they're just so underrated and timing in life is just extremely underrated in so many different facets. But like 
Hayward's timing mixed with Horford, mixed with Kyrie, mixed with Tatum, mixed with Jalen, mixed with Marcus Smart. Like, I didn't like the hodgepodge there. And I think if you go back and you kind of reset and you're like, Horford's moved on. He was great for our young guys. He did a lot. Um, but timeline's off and we're not going to pay him four or five years, whatever it is. It's just too much money for this guy. It, it, by, he'll deteriorate by the time Tatum's ready to be the kind of guy that we think he still might be able to be. And Jalen Brown, too. Um, that's okay. You don't pay him. Like you can, you can reset a little bit where like, okay, now we can reposition Tatum as the centerpiece of our franchise. And we have Jalen Brown. We have these lottery picks that in Marcus Mark too, where it's like, this is going to be more interesting. It seems like it's more in Brad Stevens wheelhouse of maximizing these young guys and getting them to play as a team and moving the ball and all this other stuff. And that's why I like Brogdon so much on this team is yeah, if you're able to bring him in, all those timelines match. It's really just Hayward. It's okay to have like one guy, like the Iggy type, yeah. where you bring him in and he's like the stable force and he's the the sixth man and you can you can do something with that where it's like, okay, now I like this. It's okay to have some veterans that are the sixth man type rotation types, the Sean Livingston's, whoever. But I like the idea of the Celtics growing with Tatum Brown, um, smart and then somebody like Brogdon and seeing what that does. And I think that's actually more in line with what Brad Stevens might be able to put together and also just a more enjoyable product for Boston fans. I, so I, <laughs> I, I just for like, as, as a beat writer, um, this season is going to be way more fun for those of us who write about the team, just because there are just going to be a lot of like more enjoyable dudes. Um, you know, Kyrie for all of his basketball brilliance, not much fun to cover. Um, you know, he's just, he can be, you know, he can be great one day. He can be super prickly another day. Um, this team is going to be, you know, it's going to be easier that way. And I think it's going to be easier for Celtics fans as well. Um, I think it's, it's, and and I think it'll be easier for Brad Stevens as well. Um, just from all the things you were saying, I I think you're right. Um, and so Brogdon's an interesting guy from that perspective, um, from the perspective of timelines. I don't think it necessarily hurts if they max out Kemba to have a star guy who, you know, who comes in and if Kemba comes to Boston, then he is going to be like trying to win games. He he want he's going to really really want to win like now, like get to the playoffs, make a little bit of a run, you know, just just build 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 a build a real winning team. And I think having some of that urgency is a good thing for young guys. You know, I think that's I think that's good for Tatum. You know, Tatum can He's got a huge basketball career ahead of him, but having a veteran around saying, listen, you can't waste years. Like you've got to maximize everything right now. I think that's good for, for young future stars to, to realize right away, like you, you don't want to mess around in your youth. You don't want to put like, you, you don't want to leave opportunities on the table. I think that, you know, it, there's, <laughs> I think, I, and I think those guys got a taste of that in 2018 when they were, you know, ahead in the second half uh, you know against the Cavaliers and they, and they could have made the finals and then they didn't and then obviously you know it looks like they're going to make the finals this year and then they don't so that was a missed opportunity but I think having a guy like Kemba around who can sort of hammer home how important that is isn't a bad thing um but yeah I mean I think just from a timeline perspective I, I think you're right that Brogdon makes a lot of sense um having sort of a core of Brogdon um Tatum Brown Smart and so that's that's a good crew um, that's that's going to be able to do a lot of things. It's going to be able to defend really well. It's going to be able to space the floor. You know, there's a lot to like there. So, and you just bet on Brown and Tatum's development. That that's the thing. Yeah. Thing. Exactly. Exactly. That's the and, whole point. You hire Brad Stevens. Yeah. We. I mean, yeah. And I mean, 
that's that's why you hire Brad Stevens. That's why you know you you use the Brooklyn picks instead of packaging them for a star is because you yep. believe in your scouting and you believe in your development. And hey, I mean that that Memphis pick is still coming. Like there's mm. going to be another young stud on the way because Memphis is not going to be good, and that pick is unprotected in 2021, which is when Cade Cunningham comes out of. Uh, comes out of uh, college at that point. Is so, that dude whose dad or brother or some sort of family member became a member of the Oklahoma State coaching staff recently? Uh, yes, yes, you got okay. that right. I, Nothing wrong there. In the, in the no. <laughs> I think it's brother. I think that's okay. right. But yeah, it's, it's definitely a family member. <laughs> uh, yeah, and he is, and he's a stud. He's, he's an incredible basketball player. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think that there's... I don't know if you could be a star named Cade Cunningham in the NBA. I don't like that name. I kind of like it. I, like, I mean, I like alliteration. Cade Cunningham. It's good. All right. Good alliteration. All NBA superstar Cade Cunningham. I don't know. I don't. I don't like Cade. Cade isn't as strong, but but the alliteration really really helps. I feel like. Um, but yeah, I mean that 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 would be. I think I think you're right. That I think it's not the worst thing in the world. And I think that even if you get Kemba, um, you can still sort of build around those young guys, and you that can still be sort of your long term goal. And in the meantime, you're trying to win basketball games right now. And that's also the goal with Brogdon, but I think I just think Kemba's a little better. So either way, um, they're still in a decent spot. Um, obviously, it's not, you know, Kyrie and, I don't know, AD and KD or whatever, like the, the most wild um, dream was for the summer, but it's, it's still a decent one. Yeah, and um, I don't know. It's, it's crazy how th- quickly things change. Um, it really is. Things changing quickly. Um, Paul Millsap may not be back in Denver. We'll have to see what happens here. But like Denver is locked in with Murray. They're locked in with Harris. They're locked in with um, Jokic, obviously. Um, but they have a lot of young guys. They have guys who yeah. hit recently. You have Malik Beasley. You have just uh, Tory Craig. You have um, just guy after guy in this pipeline. And you're like, okay, you can't pay everybody. And part of the reason they were so good, like even Monte Morris, um, who almost was, um, or I guess was briefly um jump by isaiah thomas um just one of the most baffling things of the regular season last year where i remember scott rafferty and i were talking about it, and i'm like this is insane monty morris is shooting like 50 percent from three and is like the perfect <laughs> backup point guard and we're just inserting isaiah thomas because of his name like isaiah thomas is gonna just this is not gonna last he's gone within like four games and he was just atrocious but i do love i forgot who i listened to who pitched isaiah being the backup in golden state to replace mm. i like that that I do like fun. that. Um, I do like that's that. a really good fit. But Denver was always a terrible fit, and it's like you have Monty Morris. It's, it reminded me of like when Ty Lawson usurped uh, Tomas Sadoransky in Washington a couple seasons ago in the playoffs. Yeah, Denver was like, what are we doing? Sadoransky was fantastic leading the second unit, and even the first unit when Wall was out for all those games, and he's just not in the rotation, and they're just going to play Ty Lawson, who just came over from China at the end. What that was. Uh, one of the most insane things. It, I I still can't believe that actually happened. It, it, it was as a lifelong Sadoransky fan and w- Wizards <laughs> five-man unit fan. That that really hurt me. But um, this is a really long way of saying, I wonder what happens with Nilsson. Because we're talking about everybody but him, it seems like. And he was still a really good defensive player for them last year. Not the offensive guy he was in Atlanta. Um, getting up there in age. But yeah. a lot of Horford hype. Not a lot of Millsap hype. And I'd don't know what I would do if I was Denver because you need that anchor. And I don't know if there's someone they can get right now to replace him. But then again, I just, I wouldn't pay Millsap. I more than like a one and one, something like that. Cause his long-term health just really scares me. Yeah. It's, I mean, it, it comes back to timelines again, right? Like, 
the I mean the Nuggets are, the Nuggets can want to win now, feel like they can win now, should feel like they can win now. Um, you know, even when you, when you go through the list of young guys, you know that it's easy to forget that they also have Michael Porter Jr., who you yeah. know. I mean, he was, he's been injured. Who knows if he's actually going to be able to contribute a lot. I mean, I know there were a lot of red flags around the draft, but I mean, I've said this before, like there's like this big event in Springfield, Massachusetts every year where they bring in the best high school kids. And I mean, I've seen Zion, I've seen like every top high school guy of the last like five or six years. And Porter was the best guy I saw. Um, he's just disgustingly good when he's healthy. Um, so yeah, I mean, they've, but you know, as they try to win now, it just it always does help to have the veterans, especially when your two you know best players are as young as Murray and Jokic. I just mm-hmm. think that like if your goal is to, is to win basketball games right now, and and your, your your two best guys are that young, I mean it that that almost seems like when somebody like Millsap is just perfect because he does kind of have that Horford like unassuming guy. He'll do all the dirty work. He'll do all the little things that you need. Um, and, and especially like you said, defensively. So I don't know. I mean, I'm like, if, if it was me, I would probably really want him back just because like, who, who are you going to get? Who's going to replace what he does? If you, if you lose him, like then what? Like, I don't know that there's a great plan B. I don't think there is. And they're just in kind of a weird zone. Like, are you going to start Trey Lyles? <laughs> right. Year? Yeah. I, bull, bull. I don't know. It's going to be $30 million a year. And I don't know if they're going to do that. I just, hmm, I don't know. I think Paul Millsap stuff is fascinating. And I say all that because he was still really good. He was still a top 20 ESPN real plus minus guy. Him and Jokic were both top 20. I guess I'm just, and Jokic doesn't get enough credit for being a better defender than he actually, than, than he is. Yeah. People just yeah. assume he's a turnstile, but he actually worked really hard on that this year and wasn't that bad, especially in the playoffs. Like it, he just all kinds of uh, Jokic stock got gobbled up in the playoffs this year. But um, yeah, yeah, I still think their future is ultimately tied to what Gary Harris is. If Gary Harris turns into a star, they're in business. If not, they're in trouble because uh, or maybe him or Porter have to be a star because you have a star yeah. in waiting in Murray. You have a star in Jokic, but you need that third one you because you're not going to sign that guy in free agency you're not getting durant lebron as much as you want a meeting with any of these guys you're not yeah. getting them <laughs> so if you want to get out of the west you're going to be a really good team right now for the next couple of years but if you want to make that jump one of yeah. these two young guys have to hit and that was my whole thing i'm like i love murray and i love Jokic, but ultimately that's not enough like if they want to be a title contender harris or porter has to hit like one of them have to be a star and I'm a big Gary Harris guy, but he had an up and down year. Injuries hurt him. Um, I still think there's a possibility he could break out, but I don't know. It has to be him or Porter, or they're going to be in this unfortunate, frustrating funk of being really good year after year, but just not good enough to win a title. Almost a little Phoenixy from like the yeah. the mid 2000s, yeah, yeah. And I think part of the problem is just like as good as Jamal Murray is, and man, when he's good, he's good. Um, I mean, what's his ceiling in terms of like best guard in the league? Like, could he be like right now? I mean, is he's he's top ten, right? Or he's close? I, it, just like guards? The, are we just just yeah guards. guards and not wings? We're not including wings here. Yeah, no wings. Just like you know guards, mm-hmm. and you know you can count like combo guards, like like count Harden as a guard here. But yeah, um, yeah, like I mean, he's is he top ten? Like if not, he's close. But I think so. Yeah. But is he ever going to like crack top five? Like I don't think so. I don't. I don't know that he's got that 
you I know. think he can just because uh, I, he's such a good shooter, and I think he's yeah. a better passer than he gets credit for. So no, like, I totally agree, yeah. I, I don't know. I think it depends on his defense, really. Like, if he becomes – I don't know if that's going to happen, but, like, it, it's interesting to think about, like, if – Trey Young is kind of in the same boat where it's, like, they're just so bad defensively. Are we sure – they'll ever be passable enough to make this work in the playoffs or they're not going to get targeted a bunch and are they going to be able to survive and all that stuff um but if we love kyle lowry we love drew holiday guys like that i mean i think jamal murray can get (laughs) i think jamal murray can get in that category yeah no i i know what you're saying i I, and i agree um i don't know i have a question but yeah what's up do you think Derek white has a has potential to be better than jamal murray uh, <laughs> I feel like you're. I feel like. Do you have a lot of nuggets, people who listen to your pod? I feel like you're trying to get me in trouble here. No, I just. I love Derek White. I mean, it, <laughs> no, he's, he's really good. Piss off Hawks fans too, because I would take Derek White over Trey Young and Jamal. Ooh, that's spicy. He's good. Who? He's really good. Derek White. No, yeah, yeah like, that dude is. It's happening. It's coming. People need to buy the Derek White stock now. But like, that dude is an extremely good player who's already making a difference. On both ends of the floor, he just does everything the right way. I yeah. I, I just think Derek White is coming. Like that dude is the next Spurs project that we're like, oh god, how did this happen? I mean, that was happening draft night that people were saying like, how in the world did you guys let Derek White get to the Spurs? Um, yeah, no, I mean, any, I mean, he's really good. I don't know. To, just to to bring it back to the Nuggets, I just think like. You know, I, I think I think you're right that so much of it boils down to I, I think especially Porter. Um, and because Jokic and Murray are still so young that if Porter can, can really become everything that he could be, you know, that, that still fits within their timeline. Like he's younger than them, but he's not like crazy younger than them. So yeah, I mean, then the things that he could bring, you know, that like the things that he could do in high school were, you know, hit threes, get to the rim, you know, have all this length, have all this crazy length. I I just think like that type of guy is, is perfect for that team. So yeah, I mean, I think I, I think you're right that it comes down to Murray's defense, but I, to a certain extent, like, is he ever going to be as? Ah, man, it's so tough. Is he ever going to be? I mean, he's never going to be as dynamic a passer as Trey Young. I don't. I think that's probably fair. Um, he's he's probably never going to be. I mean, can he be as dynamic a passer? Steph isn't like a perfect passer, but he's he's real smart about it. Do you think he's ever going to be as good a passer as Steph? No. I don't think so either. So, you know, obviously he doesn't have Steph's three-point shooting, and, and nobody does. I mean, does he does he have anything that's like completely otherworldly? He's a good shooter, but he's streaky. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know that he has anything where you're like, that guy is so elite Maybe at this. Maybe like the trusting him in late in games thing, where like that dude loves that stuff. And I think the way he's building, you read the piece about like his upbringing, the way his dad was just like the way he trained him and everything. That, yeah, like, it's crazy. Yeah. He has like an assassin mentality that I kind of like you need come playoff time that like Jamal Murray is someone, even though he had an up and down playoffs, this was his first yeah, uh, yeah. taste, but you could tell he wasn't scared of the moment. Like I, I trust him as a lead ball handler who is going to pull up from 35 feet and hit some of those. And we're like, oh God, Jamal Murray pretty good yeah no yeah and, and i don't want any of this to come across like i'm i'm saying that he's bad i think he's a really good player um i just don't like i don't think that he's ever gonna be like he, he's never gonna have like the the kemba Kyrie handle he's never gonna have the steph shooting he's never gonna have like the trey young passing like 
and and I think Kimba, no question though, and D'Lo. I would take him over Kimba, D'Lo. I would take him over D'Lo. I don't know that I would take him over Kemba. It's close. Maybe maybe if you're just if you're just building like a team for like the future, right. then then for sure. I'm just not convinced Kemba is going to be a good um, second and third option. I'm just I'm not sure. From what I've seen and what it, it just it would if Kemba leaves the Hornets, the adjustment he's going to have to make this late in his career to just being an off ball and like everybody compares to Jeremy Lin season a couple years ago, which is great, but all this stuff but I'm like. I don't know. That dude has played a lot of late games, ISOs, and he has been that offense. He has been that just the 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 engine that could in Charlotte year after year. And I'm just not certain he's going to be a fun guy to play with on a good team and people who want to share the ball and other sort of stuff. I I I don't think it's as clear fit like Dallas wanting him with Doncic. I I don't want that's Doncic. a weird, that's a slightly weird one to me. Yeah, I don't want that. LeBron, sure. Like those are all vets with Davis, LeBron. They're only going to be able to sign vets. There's no young guys for him to like have to learn how to mesh with. That that would be fine. But I I don't know. Like I wouldn't want him. Near do we him. really? Do we really think that he's going to have that hard a time meshing? Like he to me, he's I do, always yes. I don't see. I don't agree. I think he's always kind of had this like I don't know. I, I think he's always had sort of like a like a God. I'm just about to sound like every talking sports head like i think he's always just had like such a winning mentality like to to where i would feel pretty comfortable um putting him in with guys um but but anyway there i would just say i i've talked to people in that front office in charlotte that um i don't know there's remember how he just like steve clifford got a lot of the crap for kemba driving down and just lose like they've been so unlucky at late in games that Charlotte has just been if you look at the numbers have just been insanely unlucky in close games yeah yeah that's like the reason Steve Clifford got fired the same offense with Borrego is like it's going to spread the ball around he's coming from the Spurs and we're going to run a different stuff with Kemba and it just it's going to be a huge departure from Clifford to to um to Borrego and if you watch late in games from this season and last season I'll just go ahead and tell you not a lot of difference there folks yeah yeah I can see that that, that makes sense so I don't know but um we'll have to see last thing I want to touch on uh quickly before we go uh Bradley Beal and as you know <laughs> do we want to do we want to say like whether or not uh we think that Millsap would be good to stick around for the Nuggets do we want to like put a put a hammer on that one I will say I would not go anything over two years mm-hmm. if I was the Nuggets. 30 million is, I think, just because he's still a really good player um, until he fully breaks down. 30 million over two years, you mean? Or yeah. 30 million no, a year? a year. You're going to have to do 30 a year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, I would, I would do, do No, I would do that too. That's that's exactly what I was thinking was was two years for... Three or well, four, like, uh, I'm like... Uh, yeah, especially uh, when, you, when you're going to have to really pay him. I think, that, I think that's a, a good call. Who would you be more nervous about paying for three years, Horford or Millsap? I think Millsap. I I think Horford's Same. game is going to age pretty well. Um. Okay. Bradley Beal wants to be a wizard for life, allegedly on a <laughs> team with no GM. And wants to be so, a supermax for life. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> but hey, it, not not everybody's taking it, and it's he, true. Uh, he's following John Wall's guidance and taking the supermax. Um. And because I mean, John Wall's a great reason as to why you do that and kevin durant's a great reason as to why you do that and you look at all these different situations and you're like yeah this is this is why you do this like kimba think about it like if you get hurt terry achilles who knows um 
you sign that five-year supermax and you're like okay well whatever happens i mean it's not the best basketball situation but i'm set for life yeah and i don't have to worry about this ever again um however it's just team building and thinking about like how the wizards get out of this and what they do if they're paying wall and beal and if they give beal the supermax are they really planning on keeping him and wall on the roster together for the the long haul um if i'm the wizards and i'm thinking five years out whoever the new gm is going to be or they just give Shepard the full-time role i am looking at what okc and houston did because i don't believe in especially a big market like dc doing a full teardown starting all over trading everybody you've already moved porter yeah i think you can move wall the idea that there's an untradeable contract in sports has always just been hyperbole and not true like it may suck because you'll have to move a first round pick just to get off the wall contract maybe you you'll have to bite the bullet (sighs) at least yeah like you're gonna have to give up stuff just to get off that contract but the idea that you can't (laughs) move it is not true like someone's gonna do it call up james jones call up rob palenka they're going to be guys that you can call because i think a lot of times like, look at how desperate teams are going to get because how many teams have cap space and they're not all going to get superstars. Only a couple will. What are they going to do with that cap space? There's always going to be teams that have cap space like the, Fa- the the Falcons. The Hawks are already talking about like having two max slots next year. Guess what? You're not getting a max top 10 player with any of those max slots, Atlanta. But like, it, I hate this already. Like, I, it's already talking up of like, they're going to get meetings. Trey is already, Ice Trey is getting uh, meetings with... Um, potential guys are like look what we're building blah 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 blah. it's it's insanity and it's not happening it's not true like if atlanta wants a superstar you're gonna have to trade herder collins and a bunch of other guys and do the houston thing where you're just like we waited it out we have one guy in trey and he's like the harden in this analogy i guess but like and then you you move um all those pieces and all that draft capital for somebody um in a trade but you're not getting you're gonna have to do the dream like whatever like you're just not getting them out right and free it's not happening um so if i'm washington I'm moving Wall as much as it hurts, and as a, a John Wall stan, it, it will pain me to see him go. But I have to bite the bullet and go. Okay, Beal, you're now our cornerstone. You're a great player, third team All NBA guy, has the potential to get up to second team. I don't think he'll ever be a first team All NBA guy, but that's a really good starting piece. And then you just focus the next two to three years on clearing everything out. Like you clear everything out and acquire whatever picks you can. Just clear up cap space. And keep paying Wall. I mean, keep paying Beal. Give him the supermax, and just know that you have this five-year window with him. And he's still super young. He was super young coming out of college. All that kind of stuff. And you're just like, okay, let's rework everything. Scott Brooks is a if he's great at one thing, it's developing young guys. That is his bread and butter. And we can do that with Beal. Let him continue to get better and just be the face of the franchise. And maybe Scott Brooks will hit. That's what I'm doing is I'm doing the Westbrook after everybody left the Harden after um, he was traded to Houston. That's what I'm looking at of like, okay, let's restart kind of, but not to the extent where we're moving guys like Beal because those guys are just hard to come by, especially if you look at the Wizards history. Yeah. This is not a lucky franchise. This is, they've had more success in the last couple of years than they've had in 20 plus years. Like I, I, I would be very hesitant to do something like that. So that, that, that would be my strategy is just like rebuild around Beal, give him the full max, super max, and then um, bite the bullet on the wall stuff, and then just move everybody else for for picks and assets, and don't trade away a first round pick, and just bank on um, Scott Brooks developing someone else uh, while Beal continues to be a superstar. All right, so a few things. 
Um, backing it up slightly, I think I don't think there's any way anybody would take on John Wall's contract. I, I, I somebody will. I they don't always think so. will. Who? Phoenix. Phoenix. Why would Phoenix take that on? They. I don't. I don't see it because I mean. So okay, here's the thing. You're thinking rationally, and you're no, not no, no, no. Like, desperate GMs who are trying to save their job. So a desperate team Orlando. who's trying to save their job is going to take on a guy who, like, had just one of the like just a terrible injury, and he and his contract doesn't even start until this upcoming season, right? Like his supermax. Mm-hmm. This is the first year that a supermax kicks in for the, the next Kimberly five years. Charlotte for the the Jordan guy, John Wall, Michael Jordan's not, and Mitch Kupchak aren't trading for John Wall. I don't think so. I don't think so. I think I think the only guy that I would that I would think about New York misses potentially. Everybody. No, I don't think New York would. I, I think, think that Steve Mills and James Dolan can no. I don't think John Wall. I don't think they would because I think they're pretty convinced that they're like. Yeah, I, I think that they're going to try to go with like. I think they're going to try to hope that RJ Barrett is a superstar if uh, if if everything breaks if I'm down the magic, summer. I do it. Why not? Because you already have one point guard. Who's because it's 2019. So like 2024. Like that is when John Wall's contract would come off the books, and that is so much freaking money. Would you I don't know, pay man. John Wall or Nikolai Vucevic five years supermax? <laughs> Here's the thing: if you're Orlando, you could have the option of doing neither. That's true. Um, I don't. I don't know, man. I mean, I maybe maybe L.A. Maybe like the the clutch sports is is enough to you know get something there. I don't know, man. I don't. I just don't think that contract is tradable. Like especially like. You think? Do you think one first round pick is going to be enough to move that? I don't think that's. I don't think that's even close. I think it depends you're, on the team. <sighs> I think you're really underselling how many still bad, desperate teams there are in sports, especially in the NBA. Still, I just don't think John Wall is a "I'm desperate, let me go get this guy" type of guy at this point. I think with you're his Minnesota, injury, and you're trying to con- you're trying to keep Towns long term. And you're trying to sell him on. I Minnesota. think they're. I think they're probably going to be too smart to do that. They're going after D'Lo. Yeah, I think. Well, I think you can make the case that D'Lo would actually fit pretty nicely next to Towns. I don't. I don't like the fit, but um, I'm also not the biggest but he's. Um, but also, but also, here's the thing: D'Lo is going to play basketball next season, and right. like, like I don't. I don't know, man. I if and, 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 and I'm with you games. actually, and I'm with you. I I like John Wall. Like I, I like him. I think he's 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 just so much fun like it's it's fun to watch him it's fun to to watch him he's such a competitor it's fun to watch him be a competitor but i just i mean man like that you're tying up that much money until 2024 like the celtics have hayward that's a ton of money that's tied up you know basically this year and next year and maybe next year like and 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 even that like hayward's really messing with their future plans for the next two years with that kind of money Wall is making so much more, and it's for the next five. That contract hasn't started. Like, I feel like you would have to have, like, I mean, you might have to give up, like, your first-round pick and Hachimura to, like, get off that deal. And maybe... They're going to get off the deal. So just go ahead and mark it down, folks. John Wall is going to get traded. (laughs) All right. Um, Off that topic. Yeah. I will quit the podcast four years from now if John Wall is not a... (laughs) If he's still not a... (laughs) <laughs> not a Washington wizard. Or if he is still a Washington. Well, I mean, by, by four years from now, he'll be more movable. <laughs> I just think like, you know, cause then it'll be like one year left. Um, anyway, to your point, if you can get off John Wall's deal, I thoroughly agree that building around Beal is a good idea. I, I think that, you know, he's that talented. Um, and you can put together a good team around him. He, he's not hard to build around, you know, like that, 
that type of skill set is is pretty easy. Just you know, like <laughs> he can space the floor, he can you know get to the rim, he can handle the ball a little bit. Like he, he's really really simple to build around. So uh, I, I I'm with you on that score. Yeah, I just hate the blow it up culture. I think is what I yeah. more than anything. And I think when you have somebody like Bill, and you have to put into account like where the Wizards have been and who they were just 15 years ago and just how close they were with that five man unit that'll never quit. Um, I. Beal's just really good. And if you can have a second team all NBA guy, the Ray Allen type, who Ray Allen said, by the way, um, on an interview last year, the closest um, comp to him, like in his opinion, was Bradley Beal. So if you have prime Ray Allen type for the next five, seven years, like you do that and you figure it out and you hope that you'll find your, uh, who would be the close? You find your Rashard Lewis, <laughs> <laughs> your Sam Cassell. Um, because it's not going to be a Paul Pierce, Kevin, uh, Kevin Garnett, and Paul Pierce are not walking through that door in, uh, no, in Washington. Not. But um, yeah, I think that's what I would do. And I think the the blow it up stuff. Because if you have a good GM, you can get you you never know when these superstars are going to get unhappy. And if you can reset a little bit over the next couple of years and recalibrate and bring in some assets and get off the wall contract and just clear the clear your books a little bit and just have Beal and then a bunch of interesting young guys and Tomas Sandaransky maxed out as he should be. Um, I think there's, there's a way for them to get back into the top half of the Eastern conference in the next couple of years after Milwaukee, who knows what happens there, but you're just going to have to know that you're going to be not a playoff team for a couple of years. And then like a seventh, eight seed that might get a little frisky with Beal going for 40 every night and then losing four one in the first round or whatever. But I think that's their best Avenue. And I, I would be very uh, annoyed if I was a Wizards fan and they traded Beal too, and they just completely reset and all that kind of stuff i just it's it's demoralizing i think and i don't know if i trust that front office and that ownership group enough to to do a a, a competent full teardown yeah and i also think it's worth noting that look if if things don't like say you bring in say you actually do move off beal you build a team around or you, off wall you you build a team around beal next season like beal has a great year but you guys stink and he asks for a trade like it's you can still move that deal on a supermax. Like that's not going to be a problem. He's he's really good. And I mean, even if even if he's not a superstar, if he's just a star and he's just like pretty good and he's on that deal, you're still going to be able to move it. Like there's you can always tear it down. If he's interested in staying, you can always decide to tear it down later if things aren't working out. Um, and then you aren't like in a hurry to move Beal just because you're you know afraid that because because you're afraid that it's gonna that it's gonna fall apart. Like you can sort of take your time with it. So I, I just think on all levels, it, it makes the most sense. Like delay your teardown a little bit, like rebuild around a star. It's so much easier um, this, in this in this particular situation where a guy is like expressing interest to continue you know, to be there. So yeah, just do the Pacers thing with Oladipo. Exactly. Like, there's a, yeah. yeah, like that's it, good. You'll sell tickets. You'll be good. And you never know what other free agent or what other superstar might get unhappy and get disgruntled and even enough assets you can maybe facilitate something and really go for it but there's nothing wrong with sustainable success with a at least one star that can uh, be fun and i i don't know I, that's what i hope they do and i think that's there's a strong possibility that's what they do um all right tom we got to wrap up here but um is there anything coming out from you on masslive.com this week that we need to uh, check out um no just to you know I would, i've got a, a really nice uh, romeo langford feature coming um in the next day or two um, and then after that, it'll just be a ton of uh, free agency stuff before we start to get into summer league. And I think uh, the Celtics are going to have a real interesting 
uh, free agency, and then they're going to have a pretty interesting summer league because not only do they have uh, three, four rookies on the uh, who are all drafted, they're also going to have Taco Fall. So going to be pretty electric stuff. Oh, there you go. <laughs> Extremely electric. Um, <laughs> all right, Tom. Well, I appreciate it. Thanks so much. Talk to you soon, buddy. All right, man. We'll talk to you soon. And that'll do it for today's episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast. I just want to remind you guys, if you like today's episode and you are subscribed on Apple Podcasts or iTunes, I would really appreciate it if you could take a second, leave the show a five-star rating and a review. If uh, you're not an Apple Podcast listener, remember you can find the show on Spotify, TuneIn Radio, SoundCloud, Stitcher, uh, Google Play, or wherever else you get your podcasts. Uh, be sure to check out ChaseThomasPodcast.com where you can access all of my previous episodes and also find all my writing. I'm writing there fairly often. And also follow me on Twitter at Chase underscore Thomas and like the Facebook page at facebook.com slash Chase Thomas writer. Uh, thank you for your support and we'll be back with another episode very soon. Thanks guys. Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah.